Hi, everyone, and welcome to the Global Domestic Violence event. It's truly an honor to have each and every one of you here today. Thank you to all of our speakers, and thank you to our sponsors, and thank you to all of you again for being here today. At this time, I welcome our Master of Ceremonies, Dr. Nasiki Nokoko. She's the founder of Power to Lead with Integrity Foundation. Welcome, Dr. Nasiki. Thank you so much, Gigi. I am so honored and blessed to serve again under your leadership on this very special day of Global Domestic Violence event. Hello, Globe. May I introduce to you our host by the name of Regeline Gigi Sabat. She's a motivational keynote speaker, award-winning author, a life coach, first-generation Haitian-American, the host of Walk With Me podcast on JRQ TV. She's a financial expert and CEO and founder of Life Service Center of America, LLC, endorsed by Les Brown. Welcome, Gigi. Tell us why are we here today? Over to you. Thank you, Dr. Nasika, and such an amazing question. And so when you ask why we're here today, we're here today, not just to raise awareness about domestic violence, but also to educate others about domestic violence. Domestic violence is not just physical. Domestic violence is also emotional, financial, and there are so many other components. And domestic violence does not just happen to women, it also happens to men, and we need to continue to raise awareness about both. And so we're here today for a very, very serious matter to again, not just raise awareness, but educate others about domestic violence. And now I'll pass it back over to you, Dr. Nasiki Nakoko, our amazing master of ceremonies for today. Thank you so much, Gigi. Before we do everything else, I'd love for us to have a very special prayer. We know stuff happens, people go through a lot. So emotionally, we also want to lift up others who are going through pain, emotionally and in this time i would love for us to ask erica to lead us in prayer and we're going to pray in a specific way for monique and all others who are going through pain at this time over to you erica thank you father god we lift all our women that are suffering and are dealing with this issue of domestic violence we especially lift up monique that you cover her, Lord Jesus, with your blood, that you heal her and that you give her the courage and the strength to do what she needs to do for her, for herself and for those three beautiful children. For all the women out there who need the support and help, Lord, open the doors for them. Give them the courage, give them the strength, give them the will so that they know that with you, anything is possible, Lord Jesus. With you, they can move forward. With you, they can find their way with you they can find their peace and finally set themselves free from the pain. And Lord, I God, I pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. I'm sure we all feel, you know, lighter. Can we shake our shoulders and just feel and make sure we are relaxed? We make sure we are relaxed. Make sure we are relaxed. It's a day, you, you know, when we talk about domestic violence, we know the heaviness in our emotions, in our physical mind, you know, bodies and in our minds. So we just want to shake it off, shake it off so that we are able to lift ourselves and lift others as well. Beautiful. What a beautiful day that we are here to serve others. As we go on, I would love to introduce our beautiful first speaker, 
Erin. Erin is going to speak to us. She's Erin Rayland, a certified disordered eating, anxiety, trauma, and mental health coach. Breath work. Oh, breathe, breathe. Breath work. Goodness. Whichever, whichever way you want to say it. <laughs> okay. I also want to say let's breathe. Breath work facilitator and NLP practitioner. In body love coaching. What do you have for us today, Erin? Talk to us. Thank you. Thank you so much. Um, thank you, Gigi, again, um, for allowing me to be part of these such important um, discussions and events. And I know um, it just means a lot to me to be able to um, give back and give hope is my thing. And so when I was thinking about domestic violence and how you had said there's all types, you know, there are so many different types of domestic violence, some that we don't think of, the financial domestic violence, or, you know, there's, there's things where it's like, well, I'm not in a domestic, I don't have a, an abusive relationship, you know, like, well, if you're being held because of money or, you know, you're being controlled because of the, you know, there's so many avenues. And for me personally, I can say that my own relationships were very abusive. It may not have been physical, but it was emotional. It was, um, you know, most of them were like these emotional kind of like psych things where I was held in this place and I kept trying to make it work, trying to make it work. When in reality, I was trying to make it work with an abuser and it would never work. And it took me a really long time. There was a reason why I had my eating disorder. There was a reason why, you know, I kept trying with my own trauma to trying to like the abuser where it's a, almost a pattern, you know? And for me, it was seeing that I was, I was attracting these men that were abusing me in different ways because of the trauma that I had gone through. So now being in a healthy place, um, I can see these things and being recovered. I, it's completely different. And at the same time, I'm seeing, I've had two best friends um, dealing with domestic violence. And you think, oh, I just, I never thought I would be in, in a situation where I actually had to deal with someone who had passed away <laughs> or be talking about someone who has passed away from domestic violence. And it is heartbreaking. It showed me that there is, doesn't matter who you are, what you are, your status, your any of that. It doesn't, it has no barriers. Domestic violence can affect anyone. I never knew that my best girlfriend who um, died or was murdered seven years ago um, was even in the, the, the depths of what she was in. Uh, I, I didn't, I, I kind of, you know, I kind of had that sense um, that something was wrong, but it wasn't until um, the end where I knew obviously something was wrong. And unfortunately, it ended up with her um, passing away at the hands of him, um, her murder. And to say the shock, it was just, it is, I still, you know, it's seven years later and it still is like, it's that gut-wrenching feeling. 
And it's that sadness that I feel for her. Um, but I'm so proud of her on the same level as I want people to know, like my thing is how it affects friends and family. So this is how I'm talking, how it affects us, but also at the, at the end of the day of how I want to pay this forward. And she may not be here, but I will fight for her. I will continue to honor her, um, speak about her, um, because she was an amazing person. No one deserves this. And I had a lot of anger at first. I mean, I still do. Like, I'm still like, mm, you're a jerk for doing this to her. She didn't deserve this. No one deserves this. But the anger now has more gone towards, um, I don't want to explain. Uh, it's gone more of, as a way of that an avenue that I can be like, this, this is not happening to anyone else that I love, right? So it's been seven years since her, her murder and I still celebrate her birthdays. I still um, do all of that because you know what? She's still with me. She's my angel. I talk to her all the time and I know that her death will not be in vain. And so with doing that over the years, I, I've done all this and I've talked about her and I, I do domestic violence things. And then, you know, my, my other best friend who's alive, she's thank God, still here, um, is currently going through some domestic violence stuff where her ex will say allegedly tried to kill her. I know what happened. We all know what happened. We know what happens, but we're going through the court systems, right? So innocent until proven guilty. And I'm trying to be nice, but I saw it for 12 years. I've seen it. So right now it's watching her and her three kids have under 10 years old um, struggling and it's hard and you see the effects on the kids and you see the effect on her. And I'm grateful that this happened because honestly, I'm seeing what it really means to be someone who's in a domestic violence situation. And people say, how do you knock it out? Why don't they leave it? This is, they keep getting, you know, abused. Why don't they leave? I see why they don't leave. I see a lot of times when they are stuck, You're, they're stuck. And it's what can we do to help these women and men and children get to a place where they are safe they aren't stuck. They aren't held by money or other means that these people are keeping them. And I, I see now that really this, the domestic, the batter syndrome is real. And I know it's still hard for some people to realize why, why wouldn't you leave? I see, I see how hard it is for her. I see how her, what it's done to her over the years. And now it's about getting her the support, the help she needs the emotional, uh, everything that's needed. And I, I'm grateful to be there for her. And I know she tells me every night that she is so grateful for someone like me to be, have the support because it is so, it is so hard. It is so hard. And I, I just don't want to put light on like it, how, why people don't get out. It's, it's, it's very complicated. So there's been times when, believe me, I've been frustrated with her. We've been best. She's one of my best friends for like over 12, 13 years. There's been times I've been frustrated, but I understand. 
And so what I can say is being um, supportive, helping in any way you can, calling the police, even if they don't want you to. If you see something, call the police. If you see something, don't let it go. Don't say, oh, no, I don't want to cause trouble. Too bad. Call. Report it. If it seems small, it does not matter. Because guess what? Little things, ticks in the system start to add up. They do. And so that's what I can recommend to people is if you see it, report it. If your loved one is going through it, support them, but also report it because it won't stop. It won't stop until someone is, is taken. And that is the worst feeling. So she will not be taken. We are in the system and it's all, I have, I have faith that things will work out for her. But it's just, I, I, I hope people who hear or see this, who know, maybe know someone to give them love, but also report it, it just, you have to report it. It's the only way you may save their life. And, and that's the end all. If you don't, then you may, you may not see them again. But um, yeah, I'm so grateful for being here. I love, in my heart, I miss my, my best girlfriend. And I, in my heart, I love my best girlfriend now and her three kids and I will not stop or keep let them be hurt again I won't so thank you I'll leave it at that um much love to everybody thank you Erin very powerful now what message do you have for folks who have went through domestic violence or are currently going through it and are thinking about ending their life because of this matter what, what message do you have for those individuals? God, my, so touching because my girlfriend has been, you know, she at some point's been like, why am I here? Right. Um, that there, people do care. Sometimes you may not get the first uh, support you need. That doesn't mean that there isn't other support. Um, reach out to anyone that you know. If you don't feel like you have anyone, there's a crisis hotline. It doesn't mean... It has to be domestic violence. It's 988. Just like 911, it's the suicide hotline. Call it. There are people there that care. It doesn't have to be just because of the domestic violence. If you are feeling like that, call. Call that hotline. Um, it is so important. Know that you can, you can't, at these moments of, of sadness or despair, which I've had in my own life, those moments where you feel like I can't handle it, it, it will pass. Just give it a moment. Just give it a few minutes and, and to reach out because so many people care and you'd be surprised. Strangers you meet through these communities, through, through these types of avenues. If you reach out, you'd be surprised. They reach back. They are right there to help you. And you're never alone. Never. I, I, prom I promise you're never alone. Thank you, Erin. Thank you. Thank you so much, Erica. That was so moving, you know. And uh, that was Erica speaking to us on the effects of domestic violence. Oh, that was Erin. Sorry. Oh, Erin. <laughs> sorry. I'm sorry, that was Erin okay. speaking to us. Yes, that was Erin speaking to us 
on effects of domestic violence on family and friends. I, I, you know, I just feel it in my heart at this moment. If you allow my host, we just give her a virtual hug. We give her a virtual hug. We give Erin a virtual hug that we are here, we care, and we love you. Thank you so much for being so bold and share that story with us. And we continue to pray for others who are in the same situation as well. Right now, I am about to call upon our keynote speaker. We have a keynote speaker in the house. May he be ready right now as I'm reading his bio. Our keynote speaker for this event today is Dan Roth. Dan is an award-winning, internationally recognized recruiter, DI program manager, and keynote speaker. Diagnosed with attention deficit disorder at age seven, Dan struggled with anxiety and depression from an early age. It is this lived experience and dedication to creating a more equitable world for his twin daughters that have enabled and motivated him to break through the confines of societal norms by discussing topics often deemed too uncomfortable. These topics include systemic inequities, the role of corporations in facilitating lasting change, mental health, and domestic violence. May I invite to the stage our keynote speaker, Dan, please take it over and thank you for broadcasting. Thank you, Doctor, and thank you, Gigi. Um, before I get started, I want to say thank you to Erin. This is the second time I've had the opportunity to listen to Erin speak. The first time was about eating disorders. And let me tell you, Erin uh, is one of the most captivating speakers that I know. Uh, and I'm so grateful to her for consistently showing up for everyone. I also want to thank Gigi for allowing me to, or giving me the honor of being the keynote speaker today. It's not beyond my level of awareness to understand that when you're talking about something as sensitive as domestic violence, and then you say to a male, I would like you to do the keynote, it carries a certain weight it carries a certain responsibility because the same reason that I'm doing this is the same reason why it's so important. Not enough men believe it's okay to speak about. Not enough men realize it's going on. And I'm here to change that. Now, I'm unpredictable. Every time that I speak, it's a little bit different. And the last time I spoke about this, I told my story. Today, I'm expanding that a little bit. So in the next little bit, I'm going to talk to you about what I went through, as well as the decision I made to tell my kids, my daughters, when they're ready, and what I hope that that passes along to future generations and to parents wondering whether or not they should be having these tough conversations with their children. Now, as I get started, I need to thank two people individually. Amber Hollowell is watching over on LinkedIn and Nancy Deborah Burroughs. I didn't realize 
that I had even gone through domestic violence until hearing their stories. And listening to them made me empowered, made me inspired to tackle what I'm about to tell you today. So Gigi, Dr. Aaron, Amber, and Nancy Deborah, my heart goes out to you. My heart is an appreciation and warm because of the gifts that you've given. So let me start by this. Being ADHD, I was so focused on school for the majority of my life and just getting a passing grade that my social suffered. I had no social skills. I was completely oblivious to things. And because of that, I found myself in a lot of bad relationships, not really knowing what to expect, but not understanding that they were bad relationships. In high school, that was especially apparent. And then when I got to college, it took a different tone. So my story starts the summer after my freshman year. Not to give you a little bit of background, I was bullied intensely during my freshman year of college. That's a story for another time, but it goes to show you that my psyche was not that great. I wound up meeting a girl over the summer and we started dating. Like me, she was Jewish. She was from my local area. We seemed to get along really well. She went to school about an hour and a half away from me down the Jersey shore. We had a good time and I enjoyed each other's presence over the summer or so I thought. But when school rolled around, I'm sitting there as a 19 year old guy with a girlfriend that was an hour and a half away, my first real relationship. So. I took a job and the job basically was paying to drive down to go see her, take her out to eat and drive back. By the time the weekend was over, I was broke again and waiting for the next paycheck. Well, as things got started off on the right foot, things slowly, methodically took a turn. First, it was emotional. It was putting me down, telling me how horrible of a boyfriend I was. There were things like, if you don't get me a pet, then you're, then you're not a good guy. You're not there for me. You're not doing enough for me. When I got to school, I would drive down that 90 minutes. We'd go out to dinner and I didn't have enough money to take her out very many places because all my money making retail was going to the drive down. And she complained and made me feel like I was a horrible person for not being able to do more for her. Now I'm going to get very transparent. She was also the girl that I lost my virginity to. I was brand new to sort to that world, so to speak. And as, you know, quite frankly, a horny 19 year old that brought up a whole nother set of challenges. 
so as we started dating and as things got further, things started happening that I just thought because of my inexperience were part of normal dating. When she would get mad, she would dig her nails into my arm so hard I would bleed and have scars. When we were laying down, relaxing in bed, she would have moments where she would turn to me, knee me as hard as she could in the groin, and then start laughing about it. She would make me feel like I was the worst person in the world and then would turn around and say, hey, let's go shopping. Not only that, but there were moments in time where from a sexual perspective, she would try to do things I was uncomfortable with. And I told her no. But it didn't stop her. Through all of this, I felt so bad about myself that everything I was going through in my head was just part of dating. Well, I guess this is what it's like. I can't do any better. I, nobody else is going to love me. I was so much more focused on being in a relationship that everything that was going around, I swept under the rug. Even when it was so bad that I would get back to my dorm and cry, I never even considered breaking up with her. And then I saved up some money and uh, she was part of a sorority. And I took her to her sorority ball spent probably five, $600, which for a 19 year old that works retail, that's going to school is a whole lot of money. And then I get a text message on the way back where she was breaking up with me. At that moment, I'm, I'm it's, it's eh. I pined over her. I felt like it was the end of the world. And it took me a, a long time, even in those moments, to get over her. Now, I didn't think anything of this. I genuinely didn't think anything of it. For years and years and years, I never talked about it. I didn't. It was something that just happened, but it wasn't something I knew how to place words with. It wasn't something I knew how to accept. It wasn't some, something that I knew that something was even necessarily all that wrong. All I knew was it was something that happened in my life. Well, a couple months ago, when I hear Nancy, Deborah, and Amber speak, all of a sudden, it came rushing to me that I was the victim of domestic violence, quite frankly. I was the victim of sexual assault, 
but I didn't think about these things because as a man, there's this expectation that you're in control, that you have the power, that you are above it. And the reality is that in life, we all want to be loved. And that desperation, that need for acceptance, for somebody to come to us and want to hold us tight and say, hey, we want you to be part of our lives can often take, can often overtake all the signs that you are in a bad relationship. So I never thought anything of it, but then by the grace of God, I hear Nancy, Deborah, and Amber one day, and when this happened at 19, I'm 38 now, it took 50% of my life for me to understand what happened. Now, here's the thing. I deal with anxiety and depression. I talk about that all the time. I have body dysmorphia and an eating disorder. It's easy for me to admit that and for me to talk about that. So I look at something, I look at this and what I went through, and my thought process is, well, I've been through all these other things in my life. Why is this the one I had blinders to? And I can't sit here and give you an honest answer. It's something I'm still processing. And these kinds of events, these kinds of situations, the sexual assault, the domestic violence, these are things that I don't believe we ever will fully get over, ever will fully process. Because when you go through it, it becomes so ingrained in your psyche, so ingrained as part of your everyday that you, at a certain point, don't think about it. Now, before I get into why I'm going to have a decision, I'm going to have a talk with my kids. I want to say this. About three, four years ago, I forget the exact year, so I, I honestly could have said five last time I was here. This girl that I dated, this woman that abused me, reached out to me. And I'm the type of person that likes to give people second chances. So I started sort of protectively talking to her. And um, she started gaslighting me. She started talking to me like nothing had ever happened. Like I was just a great friend from back in the day. And I remember saying to her, do you have any idea what you did to me? And I'll always remember, she said, are you freaking kidding me? I didn't do anything. And she gaslighted me. So I uh, responded back, you're the same person I thought you were. Blocked her forever. I was over it. So let's fast forward to today. Let's fast forward to the part that is really important to me because everything that I do, everything that I am, every moment that I'm awake, 
is dedicated to creating the world. It's, or is dedicated to making the world a better place for my twin daughters. So again, when Gigi brought this up, I said, I want to add something to it this time. I want to talk about why I'm making the decision to be open with them. Well, I know that a lot of people have this prevailing opinion that as parents, we should be statuesque. We should be this epitome of invincibility. But that's what my dad was for me. And my dad was my best friend and I love my dad. I always will. He, but at a certain point in life, I realized that he wasn't perfect. And it was this rush of shock. And I'm talking like I was in my twenties when this happened, I never thought my dad could do a thing wrong. And then I realized, Hey, maybe I might be right about a couple of things. And I thought to myself, do I want my children to have the same shock when they are growing up? Do I want my children to think that I am invincible? Do I want to be seen as that statue? And when I look at my wife, who is my rock, who is my hero, who is the love of my life and the reason for my being and is someone that goes to bat for women's rights, for LGBTQIA+, for everything that she can, I look at that and say no. Because here's the thing, we don't abide by traditional gender roles at home. Hey, I'm a guy that also knows how to do their own laundry. Shocker. I do the cleaning. I was my kid's primary caretaker for two and a half, for the majority of their life. My daughter, my daughter just went to preschool for the first time. I had to worry, like I was thinking, where's my identity if it's not taking care of them? Now I don't cook, but that's not because I won't. It's because I'm bad at it. So I just want to say that, but we don't abide by traditional gender norms. My kids have a hyphenated last name. My wife wanted to keep her last name and there's absolutely nothing wrong with that because that's what's important to her. So as we look at building this society in which people need to be better, in which people need to be more inclusive, that all starts in the home. It all starts here. Whether that means giving your child a book talking about black hair and how not to touch black hair, whether it's teaching them the real history of America, whether it's talking about drowned hounds, black Wall Street, whether it's talking about Asian uh, and Spanish heritage, so that they know that what they read in school may not be 100% accurate because we live in a whitewashed society. It is important for us as parents and our core responsibility to teach them how things actually are, not the way a bunch of old white guys wanted it to be. So going back, why am I going to be open with my children about going through and being a survivor of domestic violence? And that's real simple. If I, as their father, can sit them down and say, Haley, Brooklyn, I want to tell you about something daddy went through. 
I want you to tell, I want to tell you about the hurt that I felt. I want you to know that there's no one that's immune. That there's nowhere in society that you're ever going to be a hundred percent safe. But if you do go through it, if you see someone going through it, here are the signs. Here's what you could do. Here's the resources you could provide. And above all else, no matter what happens, you can always come to me. That is when I know that I as a parent have made a difference, not just for this generation, but for all generations to follow. Because once again, it starts in the home. My children, once again, are my everything. And without them, I would not be where I am today. So I will have those conversations, whether it's about eating disorders, whether it's about domestic violence, whether it's about disability awareness, whether it's about trans rights or LGBTQIA+, or whether it's about anything else, uh, equity, they are going to know, and I'm going to empower them that when they are faced with the alternative, that they can stand up and say, this is the truth. Let us start living in a fair society. Gigi, thank you for having me, everybody. I appreciate you. Love you all. Likewise, Dan, and, and thank you. I have no idea how long I went, so I apologize. You're fine. Dr. Nasiki, you're muted. It appears it's not letting you, it's not allowing you to unmute. So I'll go ahead and, and move forward here and we'll, we'll attempt to circle back to see what's going on with the mic there, Dr. Nasiki. I'm aware that I am the next speaker here and I'm really looking forward to speaking with you all today about uh, domestic violence. Domestic violence truly needs to end and circling back to what I said earlier today, domestic violence is not just physical, it's also emotional, financial, and there are so many other components that we really need to discuss as well. And when we talk about who this can happen to, again, it can happen to women and it can happen to men. And why am I sharing this again? Because it's so important. Oftentimes, it's not spoken enough in our society. And we need to continue to speak about both of those components. And also, we need to raise awareness that domestic violence can happen not just in a relationship with a significant other, but it does happen in the family home as well. And so some folks, it can be their parents or uh, anyone of that nature, and, and we really need to talk about it and have those discussions. And so now, how many of you in this room have ever felt strangled by life? Raise your hand if you've ever felt strangled by life or if something has happened in your life that just made you feel strangled or a challenge, raise your hand. Thank you all, thank you all. And so now I literally 
almost lost my life, death by strangulation in a domestic violence relationship a few years ago. And I'll never forget, I, I literally was on the couch with a colleague and I remember being on, on a phone call and I remember the abuser charging at me, beating me, almost strangling me to death. And when I attempted to get back up, I fell flat like a vegetable. And so you see, ladies and gentlemen, my point is, is that no matter what you're going through, that you can't, that there is hope and there is a light at the end of the tunnel. I, I remember after everything that happened, I got baptized again as an adult. And so again, there is hope. And I encourage you to keep the faith. And I encourage you when you get knocked down in this lifetime to get back up and keep up the good fight. As I know, as difficult as that may sound, I encourage you again to keep up the good fight. And it may take quite a bit. It may take you a moment, but I encourage you to take it day by day, one day at a time, one step at a time and continue to move forward and keep the faith. And, and when we talk about where you, where you feel that you are now, if you feel stuck, if you are someone who has been through domestic violence or you are currently in that situation and you're listening to the, my message right now, I know some of you are joining us on the online platform. If you're listening to this message and you feel stuck, I encourage you again to remember that you can overcome and that you do not need to remain stuck. You do not need to remain in an abusive relationship. No, and you're not alone. Again, there is hope. If, if you are being physically abused, I encourage you again to, to seek assistance. I believe Aaron mentioned earlier, if you notice someone being abused, contact the proper authorities. She said to contact the officers. Yes, yes, Aaron, I, I agree. And so again, you are not alone. And one of my favorite verses is Joshua 1.9. It states, haven't I commanded you be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or discouraged for your Lord, your God is with you wherever you go. Therefore, you're not alone. Oftentimes, many individuals say, well, I feel alone. You go through this situation and you feel by yourself. You say, well, what if I share this with my friends? Are they going to judge me? Or, or are they going to think other uh, something else uh, other than me? Maybe I'm this or maybe I'm that. Maybe I should have said something sooner. That's what I hear oftentimes when I speak to folks. So why didn't they disclose this? And they say those are the particular reasons. And I'm sure there is many, many more. But we'll, we'll save that for another time. But when we talk about you coming forward and sharing this, I want to encourage you again that you're not alone. And if you're scared, you're not alone. And that there is help in your community. And I'm, I'm grateful for the assistance that I, I received from my community as well as from my friends and my family. And I, I'm just I'm just very, very grateful. And again, you're not alone. And why do I keep emphasizing that? Again, because oftentimes that's the initial thought. I am by myself. Or oftentimes many individuals say, I blame myself. This happened because of me. Or someone says, you literally manifested yourself in this situation. It's your fault. No, I, I, I want to circle back to that and say that you do not have, you're, you're not what you've been through. You are not what you've been through and never let it define who you are and do not blame yourself because it's when you blame yourself, you find yourself depressed. You find yourself literally having anxiety and, and you find yourself saying, this is because of my, this is my fault. Why did this happen? And you keep questioning yourself. So you will never be able to move forward. How can you when, when, when you're focusing on, on the negative? And so I want to encourage you today, although all of this negative things may have happened, 
I want to encourage you to focus in on the positive. And what's the positive? The positive is, is that there's hope. There is hope on the other side and that you're not alone and that you're supported in your community. And, and remember that you have a voice and your voice matters. Oftentimes folks say, well, I, I lost my voice, literally. I, that's it. I cannot share this. Well, you know, a good friend of mine said, you need to share your story. It may help someone. It may help someone. And that for me was enough to come forward and share my own story. And he didn't say you will help someone. He said it may. And so again, your story may help someone. I share what my friend shared with me. Your story may help someone. And imagine someone going through that situation who may need to hear from you. You never know who needs the message. And as my good friend, another good friend of mine says, your story is not for you. It's for the people that you serve. And I'll say it again. Your story is not for you. Your story is for the people that you serve. And I'll say it again. Your story is not for you. It's for the people that you serve. And again, you are not alone. And you, you have the strength to overcome. I believe in each and every one of you. Yes, you. Yes, you. You heard it here today. You are a warrior. And I'll say it again. You are a warrior. And I'll say it one more time. You are a warrior. And if you're going through this right now, you will get through. Thank you. Wow. That was something. That was so touching and really getting into the heart. Now, you know, Gigi, before uh, I, I just round up, thank you for taking over. Uh, it, let's get this thing over. Let me ask you something, and you touched on it, how painful it is when you've gone through a pain and people tell you whatever happens in your life, it's because you allowed it or you caused it. How, how really? How painful is that when you're going through something? How do you deal with that pain? Now they're putting double pain on you. That's right. Great question. So essentially, oftentimes when you're hearing so many negative things and you're going through a tough situation, whether it be, it's not just domestic violence, right? It could be any situation. I've heard so many folks say they've had breast cancer and their significant other leaves them in that moment or their friends bash them in that moment as they're in the hospital. You know how many stories I've heard like that? And, and they're in the hospital, literally, and they may lose their life. And now their best friend says, that's it. We can't be friends anymore. And, and this just needs to end. And I, I mean, that's the time where you're supposed to be the most supportive for those individuals. And, and we, we really need to focus in on forgiveness as well. I want to circle back because forgiveness truly matters and it's in the Bible. And when we talk about forgiveness, it's a, it's, it says that we need to forgive and also to forgive them for they do not know what they are doing. I'll, I'll say it again. It says forgive because they, for they do not know what they are doing. And I'll say it again, forgive for they do not know what they are doing. And, and so again, forgiveness truly matters. And it's so important to meet people where they are and you forgive I'll say it again, you forgive so that you can move forward. You forgive so that you can move forward. And I'll say it again, you forgive so that you can move forward. Because how can you move forward when you have one foot in the past and one foot in the present? No, take both of your feet with you and stay in the present moment. Leave the past in the past and take the lesson with you. Wow, that was powerful. Uh, even if you don't understand, 
you know, at that moment, why do you have to forgive people who have hurt you? It's for you so that you can move forward, so that you can move from the past and be where God wants you to be in your purpose. Now, I would love for you, because I'm doing this with you, Gigi, because we still have time. This is still your slot. Talk to somebody, a young woman, who doesn't even have the strength to get out of a situation thinking she is in love, thinking, oh no, this person said he loves me, maybe he's going to change again. And lo and behold, you are in a situation, the person treats you badly. How is it possible that this person can just move on? Can you help them, give them a tool of how to notice a pretender and to move away from it? Such a great question. So for those of you who are not aware, we host a domestic violence event every single year and grateful for our sponsors as well. Ragnus Nikas, if you're listening to this message today, thank you for your support. And, and, and so again, we do this every single year. And when we talk about one of the events that we had on domestic violence a few years ago, I believe it was maybe 2020 or 2021. And when we did that event, one of our sponsors, Daniel Gomez, he spoke and he, and I will never forget what he said because it was so powerful and it answers the question that you just asked me there. And he said, he listened to every single speaker at the previous global domestic violence event. And he said, one big takeaway that I've got from every speaker at that conference was that each of you said that the abuser had a mask. You couldn't see it. You couldn't see, you couldn't see past that. And he said, the reality is it was always there. It was always there. And so he said, in the beginning, you need to make sure that you're asking the right questions before you proceed with someone in a relationship. And he hit it bullseye. He's absolutely correct. And so if you're listening to this message today, you can unravel many, many things and make sure that you ask the right questions. But again, it's not your fault. It's not your fault. Oftentimes, the abuser has what is called a narcissistic character trait. And so oftentimes, some of the traits you're not aware of, it's very manipulative. It's not your fault. And oftentimes they're very, very charming in the beginning. Very, very charming. And so we need to have those discussions. And I want to pinpoint that domestic violence can happen to anyone. It does not matter your role. It doesn't matter it, whatever degree you're, you're pursuing. If you're, if you're pursuing a, a doctorate degree and this happens to you, yes, it can happen to anyone. I know several, including myself. And I, I know also too, I know other doctors, medical doctors, this has happened to professors. It does not matter your role, a nurse, this can happen to anyone. So we really need to pinpoint that this can happen to anyone at anywhere. And it's not to scare you, but it is to educate you in regards to the reality that domestic violence truly exists and that it needs to end. And we need to talk about the importance of, it's not just one and done, right? It's not just, okay, I showed up here today and that's it. I spoke about domestic violence. I did my part. I did my duty. No, you continue to educate others. And I want to circle back to your question, Dr. Nasiki, because it, it, it intertwines with what I'm about to share here. So just because we covered it just a few years ago, doesn't mean we stop. That's why we do this every single year. It's, it's so important. We, we could say, okay, well, now I'm in a happy relationship. Well, let's just move forward and not educate others about domestic violence. But as Bob Proctor said, that would be so selfish, especially when you have the knowledge. No, we need to be selfless and continue to educate others. And so that's why I continue to show up. Yes, I, I am in a happy relationship right now. And I, I appreciate the gentleman that I'm with. And I'm so grateful for him. Bless his heart, bless his soul. 
and he's a very, very good gentleman. And, and does that mean that I'm going to stop educating others about domestic violence just because I'm in a happy relationship? No, I'm going to continue to educate others about it because it's very important. And as my good friend says, you need to share your story. It may help someone. Didn't say it would. He said it may. Thank you. Wow. It may. Thank you so much, Gigi. Right, you know, spot on. Now, because it's still your slot, I'm just going to request you to just teach someone or give them a way forward. Once now they manage to get out of it, what is the first thing they have to do? Because they are still vulnerable and they are shaky. They don't know if they made the right step to move from that. Was it really abuse? You know, in that state of confusion, they still loved, but now thrown with this kind. So when they move away from the domestic violence, what is the first step or where they get help to settle down their minds and be in the right space? That is such a great question. And I cannot help but think a good, of a good friend of mine. Her name is Renee Michelle, and she's an advocate for domestic violence as well. I believe she spoke at one of our previous panels. But when Renee spoke on the podcast, the Walk With Me podcast, she shared something very important, and it's in alignment with an exit plan, an exit plan. Mm -hmm. And when she shared that on the podcast, oh my goodness, I got chills, and I'm getting chills right now as we speak because the importance of an exit plan. Yes, now you're in a situation, you're aware, you're in an abusive relationship, you're sitting there and you're thinking, what do I do next? I've already reported this to the proper authorities. Do I stay in this relationship because of my kids? The answer is no. As my good friend, Lindy Elridge also shared on the Walk With Me podcast, you leave because of your children. You don't stay in the relationship because of your children. No, it's the other way around, other way around. You, you leave because of your children. And, and also too, it's okay, it's okay. You may say, well, this is what love is. This is what love is. Love is abuse. Love is abuse. I deserve this. This is okay. No, it's not okay. No one deserves to be abused. Similar to how an animal, so we're talking about humans, right? Let's relate this to, let's talk about an animal now. We talk about animal rights and how Others should not abuse animals. So what makes it okay to abuse a human? It's not okay. Same thing. It's not okay to abuse either one. So abuse needs to end. Domestic violence needs to end. And it doesn't just end. It doesn't just start here when we're advocating about it. No, we continue to talk about it. And again, it's not just raising awareness. It's educating others about various components as it relates to domestic violence. There are so many components that we need to cover. And it's not just one and done. It's not just today. It's 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 every other every day, every day, every day. Wow. Every day. Do you hear that? Because consistency helps you to balance, to get your balance. So every day you you make sure you empower yourself. Now, what I'm getting from Gigi is that it's it's you in it, in the center of it to help yourself out. So don't look any further. The power is within you to do anything. God gave us the power to overcome. So use the tool that is a spiritual tool that God gave us. Wow, that was so powerful. Thank you so much, Jim. That was from, um, if you were not here, when I introduced her in the beginning, our host, Regeline Sabat, well-known as Gigi, 
She's a motivational keynote speaker, award-winning author, life coach, first-generation Haitian-American, the host of Walk With Me podcast on JR2TV, financial expert and CEO, and the founder of Life Service Center of America, LLC, endorsed by Les Brown. She is the host of this event today. Thank you, Gigi, for being such a wonderful soul. And thank you again from our keynote speaker. Our keynote speaker was Dan. And thank you so much, Dan. You gave us so much empowerment, especially from a perspective of a male, you know, a, a side of things. Because mostly we always think things happen to women. Oh, yes, only women, only us. And yet we leave a volume of male figures struggling alone, not even having a platform to share their pain and their past to teach others. And thank you so much, uh, Dan. This is so beautiful. If I see myself in two screens and one looks beautiful, you know, and I see your, your broadcasting even gives us a puff up of a makeup. Thank you so much. This is awesome. This is collaboration. This is collaboration when two key gurus in the social media um, are collollaborating and doing a beautiful event together. I you have the next speaker. Yes, yes, then you want to respond. I'll give you a moment. over to you. So she just wanted to say thank you. Say thank you, Haley. Thank you, Haley. No, say thank you, doctor, not thank you, Haley. Thank you, doctor. There you go. Hi, thank you so much, baby girl. Well, I love hugs. You know me. Thank you so much. I love you from South Africa. Thank you so much. Accept my hug. And thanks for being with Daddy in the studio and making sure even other children will learn from our experiences. God bless you. Thank you. As we move forward, I have a next speaker. Beautifully so. She's online already. Uh, Angelica. This is your moment. Yes. Wow. Thank you so much. Angelica, let, let's do something together. And um, I'd love for you to give us your domino statement or status and tell us confidently who is Angelica before you take it away. Mm -hmm. So Angelica is someone who is here to add positivity to the world. She is someone who's here to help and add value. At the end of the day, that is what I want to do more than anything. That is what I strive for, is to help people and have an impact on them. And because, you know, the ripple effect is huge. You can do one nice thing for somebody, and you have no idea how much that spreads. And I think that's beautiful. Wow, that's powerful. And, and tell us, what is your topic for today? So my topic for today, we're talking about going from being a victim to become a victor. You know, wow. when I, yeah. <laughs> so when mm -hmm. you guys first asked me to speak, I, you know, I questioned myself. I thought, you know, have I been through enough where it, I'm allowed to speak? Like, is that, is that right? And, you know, I really sat there questioning because, of course, you know, I want to make a impact. But I was really questioning, you know, how, if I've been through enough. So I sought counsel and a very good friend who said basically word for word is, 
Angelica, you were almost killed. So, which leads me to my point is that a lot of times we minimize our experiences. You know, it becomes so normal for us or because we love this person, we care. We, sometimes we justify, we make it seem smaller than it is, but it's not. And you don't deserve to minimize yourself and your feelings. You know, what you're experiencing is valid and the way you feel is valid. And we have to remember not to minimize what we've been through. So I think it's really important if we're talking about domestic violence to really understand the impact it has on the mind. So I have a little metaphor for the way I talk about how neural pathways are formed. So neural, it's with your neurons in the brain. So I talk about a forest, you know, creating paths. When you create a path, you know, it's not instant. You have to go in there. You have to cut some branches. You have to move some debris, really flatten it down. And it doesn't happen in a day. You know, it takes time, takes repetition. And in a way, you know, this is how we build skills. You know, we don't learn them automatically. But every time we practice, it gets easier and easier. So that's kind of how um, our neural pathways are formed. When PTSD happens and there is a very big trauma, I kind of think of it as an explosion. You know, it explodes. The pathway is there. It is, you know, it's fleshed out. It is solid. So when your brain, you know, it's so easy for your brain to take that pathway. And so, you know, when we have PTSD, that's how we get triggered. Our brain thinks that we are reliving the event. It actively thinks that the bad thing that we experienced is happening to us in real time. That's why we feel the same things in our body. And that's why we feel, you know, we can get flashbacks. And this is why it is so important that we work through this. And one of the important ways that we can work through this is by telling our stories. You know, I loved what Gigi was saying earlier is your stories, you know, it's not for you, it's to help others. And, you know, it's to help others, it's to help you too. Because when you tell your story, every time you tell it, you know, it's, it can be hard at first. I don't want to, you know, deny that. But every time you tell it, that is more evidence to your brain that you're not in that trauma anymore. When you tell that story and your brain notices you're safe, that response over time it starts to lessen, you know, and this is why it's important that we share our story. You know, it's one of way to help us heal. So, you know, another thing is when we experience abuse is the way, you know, obviously affects us in many ways, but it affects the way we interpret things. A lot of times something, you know, completely neutral can happen. And because of how we've been conditioned, all of this negativity and cruelty, that, you know, something neutral could happen and we automatically, you know, we take it as a bad thing or we feel threatened or we feel unsafe because when you have PTSD, the part of your brain that controls fear is actually more active. You know, it's, it's not just something that pops up every once in a while. Your brain, you know, on average, it releases more stress hormones. So it really, you know, there is a biological change that happens. And that's why it's so important that we start taking steps, you know, that we start taking steps to heal because you are worth it. You are worth healing. You deserve. 
excuse me. So you didn't deserve what happened to you, but you do deserve to turn from surviving to thriving. And another way we can do this is actually a small little thing. You use affirmations. I know it can seem a little corny. It can feel a little silly, but you know, once again, every time we do one of these affirmations, that's more evidence to our brain. You know, when we have all of these mean comments coming at us and abuse, it destroys your self-confidence. It destroys, you know, the concept you have of yourself. It really, you know, it really screws it up. And that's why, you know, it is important to take steps like these and using affirmations because we're slowly, you know, giving ourselves the love that we deserve. You deserve to love yourself and you deserve to heal. And, you know, abuse does make you want to isolate yourself. And it's so important that we don't isolate ourselves. Sometimes when, you know, people cause a trauma, sometimes you need people to help you heal. And what I mean by this is having a support group, having friends, having family, having some kind of community where you are safe to tell your story. Because like I said, every time you tell your story, you remind your brain, you know, you show it it's safe. You show it that it's not in danger and you can breathe and that you're okay. It's, it can be very hard to feel safe again, but it is worth it to put in the work. So one other thing that I have that I think helps a lot are grounding exercises. So, you know, when you're having a flashback, you can really get stuck in your head, you know, with the, the feelings, the emotions, the visions you know sometimes you see things and it can be hard to pull yourself out of your head and get back into that space so one thing we can do is grounding exercises so they have to do with our five senses so what do we have we have touch taste what we can see what we can smell what we can hear so and we pick a few things what are five things you can see what are four things you can touch what are three things you can hear what, like, do you taste anything? Or what are some things you smell? And it doesn't just have to be like that. You can look for, say, five, find five blue things in the room. You know, these exercises, they bring you back to the present. It helps you ground yourself, you know, bring you out of your mind into the world around you. And then another thing that is very helpful, actually, is practicing thinking of nothing. Now, I know this is going to sound weird, and you know, in a way, it is a type of meditation. So it's not going to be easy. You know, you start by just thinking of nothing. Chances are, you know, some thoughts are going to pop back up, and that's okay because, like I said, we're still creating that path. But every time you try, you get better. And this is something you can practice anytime, anywhere. Maybe you shouldn't practice it anytime, anywhere, you know, if you're driving or taking a test, but. You know, this is a great thing you can do whenever is just take a break, practice clearing your thoughts. So when you do this, you get better at, you know, redirecting your brain. So you know, a lot of times it can be easy for us to go into a downward spiral. And, you know, because once those thoughts start coming, they, they keep coming. You know, it can be hard to stop because some of those pathways in your brain, they lead to other pathways. But when we practice thinking of nothing and it becomes easier, it becomes easier for us to help redirect ourselves or to help stop thinking of the negative thoughts. 
And this isn't to say you should never think about your life, but there are times where, you know, your brain is going to tell you things that aren't true. Your brain might make you question your worth and you are worth so much. You are worth so, so much. And that's why it's important that you deserve to heal. This is why, you know, it's important to realize that you're not, you know, experience some things. Oh, we just lost her. We just lost her. And you know what? Her, her talk w- 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 is so powerful. And oftentimes, yeah. that's right? That's what happens. Uh, I, we hope she's going to come back. Maybe, yes, she had uh, just two minutes to go on. Maybe you can just keep it up there, Gigi. In, if maybe in a minute she'll, she'll come back. If not, we will move to the next speaker because she is in the house already. Yes, just Dr. round up the topic for us. Yes, and she's back now. Oh, there she comes. Yes. Okay. Oh, wonderful. Wonderful. Hey, guys. I'm oh. so sorry. The internet <laughs> decided that it was just going to cut out. <laughs> but, you know, right. as I was saying, that, you know, you deserve to heal. Whoever's listening, you are worth it. You're loved, and you deserve to become a victor in this. You deserve to go from just surviving to thriving, you know, and I just want to mention that there's a lot of resources out there. You know, sometimes it can be hard, but I think we forget that it can be easy to go to Google and just search up, you know, resources for domestic violence. And you can, you know, even put domestic violence for blank, you know, if you're depending on your race, your gender, your sexuality. And there's just a lot of things that can help. And I just want you to know that there are people who care and there's a lot of things to help you and you deserve to heal. So thank you so much for having me guys. I really appreciate it. Amen, very powerful. You are a victor. Now, Angelica, I do have a few questions for you. So you mentioned PTSD and and when you talk about PTSD, I have a question for you. So did you experience PTSD after you went through domestic violence? Yes. Okay. And when did you notice something was different? What, what signs did you notice as far as PTSD goes? And when did you notice, okay, I need to take it. I need to take this healing journey one step at a time. And I'd say I was getting triggered. And in my mind, I was just kind of like, you know, that's fine. Just you're fine. And, you know, that that's not what I should have done. You know, over time I realized the way I was treating people changed. I was not treating people with kindness. I was snappy. I was irritable. And I was, I was not present. I was so dissociated. And I would say when I, you know, it got to the point where I was having a terrible, you know, terrible effect on the people I loved and I cared about is for me when I really said, okay, like this needs to change very powerful. And when did you decide to leave the abusive relationship that you mentioned earlier? So I left, I'd say, I think it was about four years ago. Um, and I think it just got to a point where not only was my safety in jeopardy, but my mom's safety became jeopardized. And, you know, that was the final straw. I know sometimes it can be hard for us to do things for ourselves, So sometimes it can help if you can find, you know, an outside source 
Like, for example, you know, as you talked about before, you don't stay for your kids, you leave for your kids. You know, sometimes if you can't find the strength to do that for yourself, sometimes you can find the strength in doing it for somebody else that you love. That's very true. And one last question here. So what message do you have for folks who, when they were in their relationship, they were provided with negative beliefs about themselves? Maybe they were someone with a very happy personality or bubbly personality, as some folks would like to call it. But then as they got, as they went through that relationship, it started to deteriorate a little bit, their personality, or they started changing and their family noticed it and their friends. And so oftentimes it's called negative beliefs. What message do you have for someone who has currently gotten out of that relationship, but they still believe negative thoughts about themselves? What message do you have for those individuals? Your brain lies. Not everything our brains say to us are true. You know, the way I kind of see it is it's a slab of meat piling, piloting the rest of your body, you know, so it's not always going to be right. And, you know, you have to remember kind of how the neural pathways are formed. When you are hearing these things constantly, you're going to start to believe them. And that's why it's important to do some affirmations and remind yourself how great you are. And it's important to have a support system, support system that lifts you up like you deserve. Because like I said, you deserve to heal. You deserve to go from surviving to thriving. Thank you. Very yes, powerful. Thank you so much. Thank you. That was so powerful and really a very great nuggets there. Uh, the topic was victim to victor. You are worth it. That was Angelica Ulspega. She is a multi-talented entrepreneur coming out of Baltimore, Maryland. Not only is she a fashion designer, model, artist, and actress, she also works as a business consultant, carpenter, and a coach. In addition, she is a nine-time best-selling author and an international speaker. She has plenty more tricks up her sleeve, but her main job is to provide knowledge and resources in order for people to and businesses to live happier, have more successful lives, and make a positive impact. Filled with resilience from her past traumas of abuse and witnessing the murder of someone very special to her, she is determined to prove to the world, regardless of who you are, or where you come from, that you can make success happen. Ladies and um, uh, viewers, gentlemen, everybody out there, lovely souls, you have heard it from Angelica. What a wonderful, you know, I love when I see young people on stage and they speak and they, you know, they tell their stories, they're confident and they are multidisciplinarians. That's powerful. Thank you so much, Angel Angelica. Next, we move now on stage. We have another special guest, Ava Ross. Please get ready as I introduce you to the stage. Um, her topic is transformation from abuser to overcomer. She's an overcomer. Her empowering voice echoes countless women across the globe who bravely survive this unspeakable, unthinkable, 
and unforgettable. She has transformed her pain into power by creating a platform that advocates, inspires, empowers, aids, and transforms survivors of domestic violence. Today, she is the CEO and founder of Tabula Rasa Domestic Violence Incorporated, a hand-to-hand -hand charitable nonprofit organization which provides services and life tools to survivors of domestic violence to help them escape, heal, rebuild, and thrive. She is, you know, um, is a domestic violence impact and a social resource expert because of her work and believes in community conversations and connections. Her approach is based on the strength of positive influence, the courage of forgiveness, and the power of purpose and love. As an international domestic violence impact speaker, Alva Ross has made marks in Rome, Italy, New Zealand, and South Africa. Alva presents passionate and heartfelt engaging information to her audience with a message that influences thought-provoking questions and conversations to help inspire and create change. Can you believe she touched the land right where I am right now in South Africa? Over to you, take it away, my sister, Ava. Hello, 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 beautifuls. How are you all today? And gentlemen, it is a wonderful day. And I thank you all for one, inviting me and having me here. It is a pleasure to be graced on this platform with you all. You well, thank you. Thank you. Well, as you all know, I am Ava Ross. <clears throat> Excuse me, I'm Ava Ross, known as Ava Love. So um, I just want to share with you all today a bit of information about um, my background. Um, I am an overcomer of domestic violence as well as sexual abuse as well. I, <clears throat> excuse me, I was married for 27 years to my abuser. 26 and a half years, um, I was abused. We had five children in there and God made a way for me to escape. I just want to let you all know, just think about, give you all a, a platform so that you can just imagine, because sometimes we don't think about how we find ourselves in an abusive relationship, but we do. We, and we wonder sometimes how we get there because we know the power in which we, we hold ourselves and what we told ourselves, but some kind of way we find ourselves or found ourselves within that position. <clears throat> domestic, domestic abuse it is known, it is now being called domestic abuse, which is domestic violence, it has many different faces, but it does not discriminate. Regardless of your pay bucket, your race, your background, your intellect, your level, age, or gender, it affects everyone, either directly or indirectly. Victims of domestic violence are robbed of themselves. They're stripped of their dignity. They're beaten to, and threatened to silence and they're held in a psychological captivity. The fear of shame, not being believed, loss of finances, hope of what used to be and what they desire to be, jobless, homeless, children being taken away and many choose to stay. 
But then you have those who don't even realize that they are being abused. And that was me. I didn't even know that it had a name. But picture this, a mother running down the street with a child in one hand, a playpen in the other, and another child running on the side of her, escaping her abuser. This was not me, but it was my mother. But years later, almost 40 years later, I married a man who vowed to protect me and was the one that I needed to be protected from. Throughout the entire time of my marriage, it was abusive. And I stayed years, for years, before we got, it was happened even before we got married, from cheating, beating, strangulation, limiting interactions with families, friends, locking in the house, control over who I could see and who I couldn't see. And how long I could go out, what I wore. He controlled my interactions with other men and how long I could actually go and what I could really do and never be alone. We had six children and he, he would punish them when he couldn't get to me. So there was nothing that was excluded from his abuse, not even the animals that was at reach to him during the time of his enragement. That is what brought them into their punishment, especially if I got there and it wasn't on time as he would like for it to have been. He had to be in control of everything. There were a number of events that led to the escalation, but none compared to when he said, we should go our separate ways. And I agreed. That was his trigger. And on April 8th of 2012, which was an Easter Sunday, during the time that many people would be ready for church and get ready to have dinner and break bread with their loved ones, Easter egg hunt with their children, and most importantly, the day of resurrection. But our house was not this norm. The children and I would be at church, would have been at church, <laughs> but I got off from work at about 11 p.m. And that night I had to get back up and get prepared for work the next morning. But unfortunately, that night when I laid down to go to bed, I had a whisper to me, a whisper from God that said, don't go to sleep. And sure as I didn't understand it, I most definitely took heed to the, to the command and the request for me not to close my eyes and go to sleep. And within moments, as I laid there on my stomach, I was grabbed. Trigger. Trigger warning. And at this time, I was stabbed twice in my back while I was in bed. Somehow my son, who was supposed to have been gone, managed to get up and grab me. He came in, burst in, literally fighting his father, the rest of the children within the house. But we have to understand that everything happens for a reason. And not with just being there in that situation, God, he kept me. And he allowed me to survive for a reason and a purpose, not just for myself, but to be able to take the things that I had learned and went through and endured, to be able to go back and give back to other individuals, to help them escape, heal, rebuild their lives. Within that moment, we transitioned from having a home to being homeless, from an abuse that had never been found as of even to this day. We moved in two years over 18 times. 
But in the midst of all things, we survived and then we overcame. Escaping takes strength and mental preparedness. Leaving is a mindset. I can't tell you the amount of struggles it took for me to, for me to just step outside, even after things took place, to be able to interact, to go to work, to move around again from the fear of not knowing where this abuser was. To escape and leaving as that mindset as you prepare, you're not just getting ready in your, in your preparation of your physical packing and preparing, you're mentally preparing yourself to ease into the courage and to know that you're not alone and have the support to move forward. I had stayed in that marriage because I wanted to do the right thing by one person and one person only, and that was God. But God had to make me realize that his hands had already been removed from that situation. And everything had to happen for a reason. And it was necessary because sometimes we find ourselves struggling to stay where God has already shifted for us to be removed from, but we're still in it. So sometimes he has to allow things and we wonder why we struggle, why are we going through? And we're going through because we are stuck in something through our own carnal sense and mind of wanting to be there. And God said, it's time to move forward and move forward alone with him. Healing is the fight against the pain. It's the ugly face of truth, but the beauty of the healing. Transparency and truth, understanding and addressing the root issues, revisiting the past, self-forgiveness, forgiving others, releasing self-aware to self-care, mind matters, and including boundaries are all a part of what we need in our process of healing. Because if we don't do those things and begin to, as I say, process, degress, and then make sure that we do not regress into the same things over again. Because if we don't release what we endure, we will end up having dis-ease that brings disease. We will become physically, not just mentally, ill, bound. Not understanding, not even the doctors at times can understand why do you have or are you suffering with so many medical issues? But it's the trauma that our body has taken on. And sometimes it comes later because our mind has not signaled, signaled to our bodies to say that it's ready to take on the stress and the trauma that we endured in our lives. I knew that in order for me to help my children, I had to find my voice. I had to heal. I had to go through the rediscovery of self, of me, understanding the trauma I experienced. It doesn't define or control me. But to be able to understand the place and the space it came from, to heal and cope with the effects which was an unhealthy environment, a relationship in the mindset, I had to understand that no, 
I didn't deserve it. And my fight back to me, I had to learn to self-advocate. Pain is inevitable, but suffering, it is a choice. Life after the pain and the trauma, it began with being self-aware, understanding what I needed, understanding that what self-care was, was to be aware of what I needed to self-care. My self-care plan didn't look like everybody else's. It was different. It was comprised of so many other things. But to live was a choice that I definitely made. Making evaluations and decisions every day to ensure my healing so that I did not attract nor accept the things in my life that devoured me. Continuing to operate in truth and place boundaries, taking accountability for my own, for my own devour and my own actions and choices that I have made. Operating in that peace, self-awareness, helping to understand my needs, what I was lacking, the triggers that were going on in my life that I had to be able to understand as well as convey to others. What drains you? What makes you smile? What makes you sad? What encourages you and motivates you? And what discourages you? Self-care, loving me, caring for me according to what my needs are at that time. I definitely had to do daily mental health checks and releases. Growing and going outside the box of comfortability. And in my rebuilding, the rebuilding is the removal of the barriers and the shields you have from your pain. The rediscovering you and believing in what you that were re reinvesting into you. Rebuilding is just the understanding the value of you, knowing that you are worthy of it and you are worth it. Healing is a lifetime journey. You will always discover new areas to heal. Just a couple of months ago, I began a new era of release. And that was for me and for my weight. And we think sometimes weight is just so much about the pounds and the, the ounces of what we have. And that's not the truth. Weight is the barriers of the pain of the things that we have on us. And sometimes individuals go back to finding things that bring them comfort because of the fear. My fear was because I was sexually abused. How was I gonna be able to get back to the shape that I had and who was gonna protect me when I came back down to have this figure that I carried that I was afraid of now, not knowing where my protection was gonna be. But I had to understand who I was and the strength of me that was within me and who it was that I belonged to, which was God, who was gonna cover me in the midst of all things. The consistency, writing down and getting to understand to develop a relationship with self, overcoming the, the molestation and the rape, getting to know me, falling in love with me all over again, and the vision of writing it down, speaking it, living it, believing it self-permission to dream and enjoy, and the most importantly, to receive. You are worthy of the best. Actively moving in your goals and support, consistently showing up for you first. 
review your plans, check it off, and do your accomplishments. And to thriving, thriving is to live, is to smile, is to enjoy, is to love you more, stretch beyond you, and to learn and experience the things in life that will positively add to who you are. Never allow someone to devour you. Know your worth, knowing what you are negotiating for before you even negotiate it. Live and smile. And as I have stated, sometimes we have to just put a sign, whether it be verbally or whether it be mentally, that sometimes we have to say access is denied. You cannot give everybody access to who you are. You have to know the place in where you serve and you have to know the place in which you sit. And every seat is not yours, even though it has your name on it. You have to sometimes go around the table and sometimes push away from it because it's not where you belong. I won't be, as I stated, this is my quote that I have created. Nobody's hold over, call over, nor come over. You cannot play with me when you have not defined who I am. I will not accept accountability for anyone else's mess but my own. It is returned to sender. People are dying for love. They are fighting for love. They are killing for love and giving up their life for love, but don't know love for themselves. This is my story. This is who I was and this is who I have become. I am now serving on global platforms to help encourage, move and allow individuals to not just escape, escape their abusers, nor their abusive environment, physically, but spiritually, mentally, and psychologically. I am Ava Ross, Ava Love. I am who you all might need to be. And just give me a call whenever you need me, as I state. Thank you all for giving me this opportunity to share on your platform. Thank you, Ava. Thank you so much, Eva. That was really, you know, I sat back and listened to all the nuggets. And when you speak from experience, you can hear someone who has walked the road and here now to give all that, you know, to others so that others may be saved and not go through that rough patch as well. And we thank God he saved your life and he surely saved it for this reason that you be this authentic voice now that speaks across all nations. And thank you so much for coming over and being a blessing to us this night as well. And uh, I'm moving over to the next speaker. Can the next speaker for us? Oh yes, the, the Lord is getting ready. Um, I'm going to introduce to you our next speaker, Shufronia. Castleberry. She is an international keynote, transformational and leadership speaker, women empowerment, a Christian advisor, prayer warrior, spiritual warfare and revivals. She is um, a woman who has prayed for 11 coma patients whom have been resurrected back to life, two of which were brain dead, blind eyes opened and uncrossed. Colon cancer healed, 
dump speak, lame walk, strokes reversed, congestive, heart failure reversed, lungs restored, back to normal, demons casted out, suicides prevented, crushed and broken bones healed, also the dead raised at her father's knees. All right, um, I was still just finishing up. Okay, alcoholics, drug addicts, dealers, prostitutes, etc., are set free from the enemy in her father's ministry. To God be all the glory. Her goal is to see all souls saved and the captives set free from the enemy in Jesus' name. Wow, you. This is the time you you are here to talk to us about your experience about being in the presence of God and being used by the Spirit of God to heal the nations over to you, servant of the living God. Miss Castleberry. Is her mind on now? Praise, praise the Lord. Praise the Lord, everyone. Thank you for having me on the program today, Gigi. And I thank our, our host as well there. I miss you as a ceremony. And um, yes, I give God all the glory um, in all that he has done through my life and in, in the ministry as well. In the upbringing that I had in the Christian family background, which is very important as a child to grow up in a Christian background. So when you get older, you won't depart from, from the Lord. And I'd like to say that the ministry that I'm in is a healing miracle deliverance ministry, all the word ministry, salvation, and a lot of different things. I do a lot of teachings on uh, various subjects. And um, this is one of my subjects. I have videos on domestic violence. Um, my gift in God as a prophet minister, and minister of the gospel, I teach the word of God, give guidance, direction, counsel, and rebu rebuke what is necessary, praise God. I preach the inspired word of God with maturity walking in the faith, hope and love of God, believing that people's hearts will be open to listen and follow the commandments of God, praying that all souls will be, will come to the fullness of God and to the knowledge of God. That is my heart's desire and also to see all souls saved in Jesus name. My subject for this evening is domestic violence and jealousy. I'm coming from a scripture in Colossians 3.19. It reads, husbands love your wives and be not bitter against them. Domestic violence. In many domestic violence cases, the perpetrator insults the victim by degrading him or her or embarrassing them in public. The perpetrator becomes angry and makes threats to their partner with violence or by using some form of weapon. The perpetrator blames the victim for his or her behavior. The sole purpose of the perpetrator is to instill fear in the victim, causing him or her to withdraw from their family, friends, and society. Once fear has entered, the perpetrator sees that he or she has control over the victim by dominating intimidating and manipulating the victim. Then we see many victims go into a deep state of depression, having feelings of hopelessness, loneliness, anxiety, 
emotional stress, loss of interest and sadness, etc. This in turn causes the entire family structure to crumble. Domestic violence not only affects the victim, but the entire family. Now the jealousy part of it is coming from Numbers 514 scripture. And the spirit of jealousy come upon him and he be jealous of his wife and be defiled. Or if the spirit of jealousy come upon him and he be jealous of his wife and be not defiled, then we go to the Song of Solomon, eight and six verse. Set me as a seal upon thine heart, a seal upon thine arm, for love is strong as death. Jealousy is cruel as the grave. The coals, therefore, are coals of fire, which hath most vehement flame. We say here that says jealousy is cruel as the grave. He or she may act in a rage or jealous or envy, envious manner, accusing their mate of being unfaithful. The perpetrator becomes violent and abusive to their partner, children, and even pets. The least little thing will set them off. Because of the perpetrator's family history of an abusive childhood, we see this pattern being followed down the bloodline. It becomes a revolving door until the root cause is determined. Many times it's a demonic spirit that is causing the problem. The root cause of many murders in domestic violence is jealousy. Many suffer from the spirit of jealousy. The reason why jealousy is so rampant is because there is not enough of God's love in the heart of men. And then I have a very few here uh, statistics of victimization, which is coming from domesticviolenceresearch.org, violence facts and statistics at a glance. Overall, 22% of individuals assaulted by a partner at least once in their lifetime, 23% of females, and 19.3% for males. Higher overall rates among dating students higher victimization for female, for male, and then female high school students. Lifetime rates higher among women than men. Past year rates somewhat higher among men. Higher rates of intimate partner violence, IPV it is called, among younger dating populations, highlights the need for school-based IPV prevention and intervention efforts. Perpetration. Overall, 25.3% of individuals have perpetrated IBV, IBPV, pardon. Rates of female perpetrated violence higher than, than male perpetrated is 23.3% versus 21.6%. Wide range in perpetration rates, 1.3%. 0% to 61.6% for males and 2.4% to 68.9% for women. Range of findings due to variety of samples and operational definitions of PV. Now we go to the emotional abuse and control. 80% of individuals have perpetrated emotional abuse 
emotional abuse characterized as either expressive in response to provocation or coercive, intended to monitor, control, and or threaten across studies. 40% of women and 32% of men, 41% of women and 43% of men reported coercive According to national samples, 0.2% of men and 4.5% of women have been forced to have sexual intercourse by a partner. 4.1% to 8.8% of women and 0.5% to 2% of men report at least one incident of stalking during their lifetime. Intimate stalkers comprise somewhere between one third and one half of all stalkers. Within studies of stalking, obese, obet, oh, pardon, obsessive behaviors, gender differences are much less when all types of obsessive pursuit behaviors are considered, but more skewed toward female victims when the focus is on physical stalking. And also I like to encourage those who are going through domestic violence, whether male or female, whether are the children involved, to call 911 immediately if you are going through these types of actions. And also call the, domestic, the National Domestic Violence Hotline, which is 1-800-799-SAFE or 1-800-799-7233. And we pray that all those who are going through domestic violence will seek help immediately. Seek help from your pastor. Seek help from a psychiatrist or a psychologist immediately. Don't wait because time is winding out on your life if you wait. Because domestic violence is very harmful to you. It can cause death. It can cause a lot of, of e emotional behavior, social, financial, um, a lot of different issues in your life. And I pray that they will be uh, able to overcome all of these issues that they have been dealing with, some for many years, that they would get out and seek help in Jesus' name. And may God richly bless you. And remember to always go to God for your help. Remember to don't give up. Look up. God is always there. He's always there through the good, the bad, the ugly, and the indifference. Always Remember to keep running for Jesus, no matter what, because we look to the hills from what's cometh our help. I help cometh from the Lord. Thank you for having me. May God richly bless you. Thank you, Miss Castleberry. Praise God. God bless you. Wow. Thank you so much. God bless you, woman of God. And that is really moving. We've just felt the presence of the Lord right here. And also, you know, just giving us the realistic, the, the statistics, things that are happening, that jealousy is rife and it is right in, inside, you know, of our homes. That is so painful because these things are not new in the, you know, on this earth. Things that happened before, jealousy, you know, with the brothers of Joseph and that caused all that. That was domestic violence, really. 
you know, that was going yes. on there in the family with the brothers. If, if then people can, can see that only God can save us from this. And the, talk, talk, talk to us just briefly uh, on the discerning. How do you discern when there is jealousy around you in the family, in, in, just with the spouse? How do they people have to discern and see the signs? Well, the, the jealousy starts in infanthood. Even babies are jealous. If you notice, when you look at children and they're playing, one gets jealous of the other child because they may have a toy and they not have a toy. But also in adulthood, some of the ways that you can sense jealousy is um, they, they want what you have or they become more envious of you. You have a friend, you're talking to them. This is a good example for husband and wife or for couples. You're talking to a friend over the phone and he may come into the room and roll his eyes at you or she may come into the room and roll her eyes at him. And they're saying like, well, why don't you get off the phone? I don't know, you're just talking to that person again. I want the attention on me. You see what I'm saying? So that's a lot of this being possessive. They be possessive. They want the attention always on themselves. And they, pro they, they promote jealousy in different ways. And the, uh, also, even with your family members, as you just stated, you see jealousy amongst your own family members. And uh, most times when you're around people who are jealous, you can feel that spirit. Not only can see it, but you can feel it. You can discern it. You understand? And you can see mm -hmm. it in the faces of the people. The, the, the features even change, you know? You can see the expressions of the people and, and that is a, one of the other ways that you can see jealousy. Thank you so much, woman of God. Let us see the signs and just not ignore them, but Great. put it in prayer and God uh, protect us in, in those situations. Thank you so much. And now I'm going to introduce our last speaker, and you know, the last was the first to be in the room. If I can give her another name, I would say she is patience. <laughs> and I just want to introduce to you right now, the next speaker, who is Erica Castro. She's a speaker, author, CEO, and founder of Erica Life Coaching. She has a good something to share with us in this room. Over to you, take it away, Erica, Miss Patience. Thank you, Gigi. Thank you, Doctor, for being here. It's been a great, great event. Thank you. Um, I'm gonna read a poem um, that I wrote on domestic violence. You are supposed to love me, not hit me. We lose control. You hit, then tell me it's love. Is love supposed to hurt? I cry. The next day we act as if nothing happened. You say you love me. I say I love you. Nothing cha changes till you put your hands on me again. Scars, pain, low worth, victimized again and again. Nothing changes. Anger leads you to hit and make me cry. Things stay the same. This is what my mother went through. The cycle remains the same. So, um, you know, I, I do write poetry and, you know, that that's our story, you know, all of us here in one shape or form. And um, like Ava Russ said, my mother also was a victim of domestic violence. And sometimes when you grow up, 
even though she passed away when I was five years old, um, you learn those patterns, you learn those habits, and you think that that's what love is, and you think that that's what norm, what's normal. And you know, domestic violence. I want to warn everybody on the on the show is that it comes slowly, almost like an insidious disease that's coming at you because it doesn't start off right away with violence, but certain boundaries that are crossed cannot be uncrossed. So if they start cussing at you, that's a boundary that shouldn't be crossed because a relationship should have mutual respect. Um, it, It starts off with a little shove. Oh, he was just playing. Oh, he was just joking. But if you cross certain things, you can't go back from them because once he strikes you once, he will strike you again. And my first, I had two domestic violent type relationships. My first one was in college. And I gotta say that it took me two years to leave that one um, because in your mind, you think he's gonna change. He's gonna get better. He's gonna heal. But the truth is, is that people don't change unless they're inspired or desperate. And he wasn't. And so, you know, they have to recognize that they have a problem. And if they don't recognize it and they want to throw it on you, then they're not going to change, you know? And one of the biggest things that I've noticed is that we, as a person of, you know, who grew up in a lot of dysfunction, we tend to stay in bad relationships for years, years. And what I have to say, and what I've learned that it it takes seven times for you to leave your abuser seven different times sometimes. Um, that's a, a true statistic because we tend to go back and I'm sorry and the flowers and the gifts and I'm sorry and the flowers and the gifts. And it's like this crazy pattern that we fall into. And um, so that's how my ex-boyfriend and I were two years back and forth, back and forth um, until finally I had had enough of, of the abuse. And you know what's ironic? is that, you know, one time I I fell, well, (laughs) Siri, here we go again, I fell. I was tripped into a door because he tripped me and I I hit. And so I had bruises all under my chin. And when I was confronted by, you know, one of his friends, he's like, what happened? And I told him the truth. And he said, did you do something to him? And it was like, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. One more time, I'm being re-victimized for something that whatever was going on, there's no excuse for that kind of behavior. And so you have to recognize it and you have to be aware that, you know, you can go from zero to a hundred real quickly. Um, And so, and sometimes the people that are their support system, they're going to see you as the cause, even though it has nothing to do with you and it has nothing to do with, you know, with you didn't cause it. It's like, you didn't cause it. You can't control it. You can't cure it. And the best thing you got to do is as, as I know it's hard because you love them, but it's like, um, one of the people said here, you leave for the children, you leave for the kids because you're teaching them love. And it's funny how for ourselves, we're not willing to do but if it was for our child, we'll, we'll be able to move mountains. And so you have to think about my daughter might go through this. My son might go through this and it's not okay. Um, and the second time that I, that I dealt with domestic violence, um, I was pregnant. I was five months pregnant. Um, 
I did grow up in an alcoholic home and my ex-husband, you know, again, you repeat those childhood patterns. And that's why it's so important to heal because, you know, I married, my father was alcoholic. I married an alcoholic. My father was an abuser. I married an abuser. It's just a pattern and you have to learn different. It's almost like you have to reprogram your brain and then know you, ha- you are worthy. You are amazing. You bring a lot of gifts to the table. You don't, you don't need an abuser. You know, the thing is, is that sadly, but it's true. An abuser doesn't have the capacity to love you. They don't have it in them because they're not healed. So you have to do all the things that you have to do to heal yourself. Because then once you raise your vibration and once you heal yourself, you're going to rec- love yourself so much, so much that you recognize unacceptable behavior. And that's what happens when you grow up in trauma. It's like you, you, you think it's normal because mom went through it because, you know, it's accepted, but, it, but it's not. So I was five months pregnant and my ex-husband was an alcoholic and he came home drunk one day. And, uh, you know, he came in and he was demanding food and, but there was already food on, you know, in the, on the, you know, I always at the time, you know, cooked and made sure everything was there, but I guess it wasn't what he wanted. And so he threw me against the crib. Uh, cause I had a one-year-old at the time and I was pregnant. I was five months pregnant and I hurt my back with, you know, when at the end of it, there was bruises all over my back and then he punched me in the face. Well, I got to say, it was such a blessing that uh, we were staying with some relatives and they called the police. And I'll be honest, I wouldn't have had the courage. As a matter of fact, I was crying because that's how traumatic, that's how much I loved him, that I was crying that they were taking him away. As a matter of fact, initially, I told the guy not to press charges. And then I love the police because he said to me, look, I'm going to let him go. He has to walk. But if he comes back, you're signing. If he, you know, he has to walk and wait for someone to pick him up, you know, and I did, I called his parents to come get him. Uh, it was distance, it was far, but still. And then the police was very clear. If he comes back and knocks on this door, you're signing. Thank God, because he did come back and then they arrested him, which was the biggest blessing of my life. Because after that, I was never afraid of again. Yeah, he'd get drunk and he tried to, he tried to get violent. And I'm like, uh-uh, go for it and I'll call the police. And so all of a sudden he came right down and walked away from me because I wasn't afraid once you call the police. And I know for some of you, it's really hard because you think, okay, I'm gonna, and you're right. I had to pay for the court and I had to pay for the domestic violence. I had to do that. But you know what? He never hit me again because whenever he wanted to come at me, do I, go for it here. I'll call the police. And he never touched me. So I know it's hard. And I know it takes a long time to get to the point of walking away from an abusive relationship. But let me tell you something, you're worth it. And your kids are worth it. And you deserve to be loved and you deserve to be happy. And so I really want you to understand that you need to call the police. I don't care if you have to pay for this or pay for that need to call the police because I got to say that if it weren't for my relatives calling the police, I would have been a battered wife. And, and they stopped that because I was no longer afraid. Once he went to jail, I was no longer afraid. He wanted to get violent. I would get the phone. I said, go ahead and I will call the police. And he never touched me again. And so what I have to urge everybody here, I know it's overwhelming. I know 
you know, Gigi was talking about, I, I had myself suffered from suicide ideation. I actually had years later a suicide attempt. And you know what? We need you here. You need to impact the world. Your story is your testimony. You need to help others. So, you know, we are all here for you. And there's a lot of resources, like everybody said, that you can get the help that you need for you and your kids because you deserve to live and be happy. You deserve to thrive, like one of the other speakers said. You deserve to be raised up in the hands of Jesus and thrive and, and do amazing things in your life. This is only a small part of your life. If you're going to live to be 70 and you've been with this man for 10 years, it's nothing. You can pick up and start with experience this time. But I want to urge you, like Angela had said, you have to heal. You, this is traumatic. It leaves you with PTSD. It leaves you with all these patterns that you have to break. And, and then guess what? You will pass this gift to your children. And there's nothing better than to watch your children grow and know that you broke the cycle. You broke the cycle of domestic violence. So I'm beyond grateful. Um, that was a long time ago that, that that happened to me. But the biggest gift I have is to share my story and give you hope that you can walk away and, and, and you can make a difference and you can help heal others. Thank you. Thank wow. you. Erica. Thank you so much, Erica. That was Erica Castro with her topic, Surviving Domestic Violence While Pregnant. Wow. You know, things when things happen in a season like that, Erica, you are pregnant with a child of this person. And now to detach and to move away, the part I mean, there's something who is a bond between the two of you and you want this family, you want this person to be in the life of the child and even in the journey of your pregnancy. How difficult was that? Sorry, sorry for, let's give it a hug. Let's give it a hug, you know. Thank you. Give it a hug, give um, it a hug. What I, what, I have to, what I have to say, what I have to say is you have to, you, your kids need mama happy. You know how they say, if some, if mama's not happy, nobody's happy. And so when you're in a relationship like that, you focus more on the trauma of the relationship instead of your children. And so the best gift you could give is to walk away and, and, and start a new life. When I finally left my abuser, my kids were happy. It took a while. Don't get me wrong. It was back and forth. Like I said, sometimes it takes seven times for you to leave, but I finally, finally left my abuser and uh, my kids were grateful. They, you know, you, you're afraid, oh, how are my kids gonna take it? Kids are resilient, they're strong. And I learned three things. One, fear is bigger in your head than it is in real life. Number two, live in the moment because the moments go by fast. And number three, you're stronger than you think you are. And, and that I, I, you know, you don't know what beautiful life you can have if you just let go. Wow. Just let go. Three words and let God. And just let go and let God lead your life with your children again. Thank you so much for such a beautiful 
journey that was shared with us and uh, to be vulnerable, you know, and share your story and still share the tears. I, I, I'm definitely sure that's part of continuous healing and journeying on, you know. Um, at this moment, thank you so much to our viewers, to our supporters, to everybody who has given her beautiful speech, not just a speech, empowerment and tools to live with and how to move on if you find yourself in that situation. I would love to hand over the mic back to my host, Gigi Sabat. Over to you. Thank you, Dr. Nasiki. Absolutely amazing. And, and thank you all. Wow, we heard from incredible speakers from all over the world today. Thank you all. Thank you for joining us today. And thank you to all of our sponsors as well. And I want to circle back to a lot of powerful statements that were stated today. For example, we cover be supportive and help any way you can. So if you know someone who's going through domestic violence or has been through domestic violence, make certain that you meet that individual where they are. Also, we heard today, you leave for your children. We heard it over and over and over again throughout this conference tonight. So you leave for your children. And then also, too, if you see something in regard to domestic violence, many of our speakers today said, call the police. Also, you are a victor. Yes, you. You are a victor. Never forget it. And we also talked about forgiveness and how forgiveness is in the Bible and how you forgive so that you can move forward. And then we also talked about the importance of continuing to advocate. It's not one and done. It's not you showed up today, that's it. No, you continue to advocate. And then we also talked about the importance of an exit plan, making sure that you're safe, your children are, and your children are safe. Very important. And also, never allow someone to devour you. Such a powerful statement. And we've also heard tonight, access denied. I recall being at a, a, a Royal Warriors conference this weekend, and one of our speakers, Darren Rowan, he shared the hot air balloon example. And I think it's so powerful and it's right in alignment with that. And he says, you can't take everyone with you on that hot air balloon. And that's fine. Very powerful. And also every seat is not yours, even if it has your name on it. I believe it was Ava Ross who said that tonight. Very powerful statement. And you push away from it sometimes, even if it has your name on it, right? Ava, very powerful. And lastly, the pattern of observing abuse in the family or previous relationships. Break the chain. You don't have to keep the chain going. Never forget it. You can break the chain. Thank you. Wow, thank you so much. Again, three words. Break the chain and be free because our master wants us to be free. It's a free gift of life and salvation. We need joy. We need happiness. We need a good life in abundance, all of us. As we close this wonderful session, I am going to close with a word of prayer. We are believers. We give praise to God. We thank him for everything that he has ever done for us. And now we want to thank him, give him back the glory and honor. Our praises, when they go up, the blessings come down. So we're about to thank God in prayer for what he has done for us. Let us bow our heads in prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank you for being a wonderful master. God, the creator who knew 
before the beginning of this, that tonight will be gathered, Almighty God, in this virtual conference room, talking about the pains of the past and Lord letting go and let you in our lives on those who have been in painful situations, you heal them. I call upon the power of the Holy Spirit to heal them, Lord. Touch every area of their hearts, souls, body, mind, and spirit. Renew them, Almighty God. Renew the body, renew every pain. Father, I pray that you even cleanse, Almighty God, and purge all flashbacks of the past, Almighty God. Let every tear that comes out of everyone who has ever been through pain of domestic violence and abuse be the tears of joy that God, you hold me out of a situation. It could have been worse. For those who lost their loved ones in that situation, we pray for healing, we pray for spirit of comfort, we pray for the spirit of peace over the situation that they may live with peace and knowing that you are God and all-knowing, you are still here with us and that you will carry us and cover us going forward, Almighty God. Thank you, Lord, for this platform and thank you for Gigi for giving her a vision, Almighty God, for her writing it down and her knowing that you have put her on this earth to be the hands and feet for you to do this ministry and assignment as her passion and purpose on earth. May you bless her, may you enlarge her territory. And thank you for all the speakers, keynote speaker, even the platform, Almighty God, that was beyond over this one where Dan was broadcasting. May everyone who heard this broadcast today be touched and be blessed and live in freedom and help somebody who is in this situation. In the mighty name of Yeshua Hamashiach, the risen Savior, the anointed one, we give God the glory and honor in Jesus' mighty name. Amen and amen. 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 Thank you, Dr. Nisiki, and thank you, everyone. God bless you and be safe. Thank you, Gigi.